edition of SmackDown as we head towards Clash of Champions from the world's most famous arena, and it's the world's most famous wrestling website, Wrestling Inc., and it is your post-SmackDown podcast. I am your host tonight, Justin LaBar, being joined by the man that keeps Wrestling Inc. moving all around the clock. He is Raj Geary. Raj, how are you? Doing good. Uh, yeah, Matt Morgan, uh, at the last minute, he could not make it tonight. Uh, Glenn, uh, as we had mentioned earlier, could not make it tonight, uh, but it will. they will be uh, on this Sunday. And Justin, I believe, will you be on this Sunday? I think I probably can be. Okay, cool. I probably should have told you that off the air, but I think I should be. (laughs) We'll finalize it, but... All right. All right, right, so we had SmackDown tonight, uh, night two of the two-night stay in Madison Square Garden. First time WWE has done TV there uh, in a handful of years. Uh, So a lot of expectation, of course, tonight was being centered around, uh, among a few other things, but the the novelty act was, of course, The Undertaker uh, and how they would use him. He kicks off the show just as Stone Cold did Raw last night. Taker comes out, uh, talks about, you know, first time he's been back in MSG for some time, talks about the the history he has there, the legacy of MSG, the legacy of all the souls that he's taken, and um, is then interrupted by Sami Zayn. Uh, this one, obviously, kind of out of nowhere, Raj, I, I, you know, there's a lot of speculation of who might interrupt The Undertaker. If anybody does, uh, Sami Zayn was not on my multiple choice. Yeah, Sammy had sent out a tweet, uh, I believe yes, it was yesterday, saying how he might have to be the person to retire The Undertaker or something along those lines. But, I mean, this was what it was. And Steve Austin, it had nothing to do with any storylines. It's, it's a forgettable appearance. It was just to sell tickets. They had a rough time uh, selling tickets for the show, uh, harder than Raw. Raw was also not sold out. So he had two nights at, at MSG, returning after 11 years, not selling out. Uh, so they just needed to get the ticket sales up and... So it was just an appearance. They did nothing with them, really, other than let them get their signature move in, uh, or almost a signature move with the choke slam instead of the tombstone. But, I mean, you know, it was what it was. If you wanted to see The Undertaker, you got to see it. But, uh, you know, for those hoping for more, uh, like hoping for Bray Wyatt or something like that, nothing of the sort. Bray Wyatt, uh, we are live right now, right after SmackDown, but Bray Wyatt will be wrestling in the dark match uh, that's going to go on after 205 Live. He will be facing the B team, his brother and um, uh, Curtis Axel. Curtis Axel. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was just it was just there. You, know, you, you missed it. You, you didn't miss anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this, you know, yeah, it was, it was like you said, it was nostalgia, the signature move. Uh, we'll talk about it uh, here after we go through the review of how the viewership how strong it will or won't be kicking off the Undertaker is they kicked off with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and um, even that did not seem to move the needle uh, as aggressively uh, as 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 the as the legends usually do. Especially legends like I mean, you really don't get any bigger than than Austin and Undertaker. So, but yeah, so Sammy talk crap. Uh, talk says Taker needs to move on. It's the future is now. Sammy says the future is now and points to himself. Mind you, he's thirty five years old. So just just <laughs> not to be ageist, but you know, in the world of pro wrestling, that's not exactly the future. But uh, yeah, uh, fun fact there. I mean, Sammy, he's entertaining. Well, you know, I mean, for someone to get destroyed and <laughs> still be entertaining, you know, I guess uh, you could make a worse choice. So, yeah. All right, so that's what we get for the open. Uh, we get to go backstage. Uh, we see Shane McMahon back on SmackDown has been off for a couple weeks. Uh, word is that he had jury duty. I believe is is, is what the absence was 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 caused by. But he's back, and uh, Chad Gable walks in. Uh, more shorty references, more short jokes continued. Uh, Shane uh, talks about how Elias has been injured and pulled from the King of the Ring tournament. Gable then says something that's very bizarre as a babyface. He then assumes that he gets a, a bye to the finals, which 
I, I don't. I mean, we've seen that happen before, but usually with heels. Uh, I don't know. It was an odd babyface thing to suggest. Yeah, and in in sports, obviously, if you're a team and you're going to get a buy, you're taking it. Uh, but in wrestling, yeah, the babyface uh, thing is to be like, no, I don't want to buy. Get me yeah. someone to wrestle. I want to earn that spot, and I want I want to earn being in the finals. So it was an odd little promo, but you know, WWE. I just feel like they don't know how to book babyfaces anymore, and. I, you look at Kevin Owens tonight, <laughs> I mean, we'll get to it, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it was just, I, I thought it was pretty weak. Yeah, and basically Shane says, no, there's not going to be a buy. You will compete against somebody. It could be somebody from Raw. It could be somebody from SmackDown. It could be somebody that's already been in the tournament and already lost once. So uh, tries to uh, cliffhang us of all the possibilities that could possibly be for Chad Gable's opponents. We'll get back to that as we go on. Uh, we get the Miz versus Andrade. I believe this was an unadvertised match. I don't think this was anything we knew was coming. Uh, the key here is Shinsuke Nakamura on commentary. Of course, he's IC champion. He's been uh, in this feud with the Miz the last few weeks. And the gimmick here why Miz and Andrade are having a match is uh, Shinsuke is answering every question in Japanese, and Corey Graves understands everything he's saying. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they had announced this match right before Raw went on the air. And. I mentioned this on Twitter. I know why Miz had to win this match, but you could have put anyone else in there. I just, I, I, I mentioned this before with Andrade and Ali, especially with these two guys. You've just been seeing for like the last year where uh, they'll start to get some momentum and you, the start, the crowd starts getting behind them or booing them in Andrade's case, which is the reaction you want. And then they're back to being booked into, you know, running into play and running in place, doing nothing. And Andrade is already back to that. He was getting hot with the Rey Mysterio thing, and then he's just back here. So, you know, Miz has got the championship match. I almost feel like they're going to have Miz win the title, and I think that would be stupid. But, uh, uh, yeah, he's got the title match, so it makes sense for him to pick up the win. Yeah, I I agree with you about, like, uh, Andrade. It seems like they feel, okay, Andrade can just have weeks of mediocrity or maybe not even be used, and he can lose – and then if he has one really good match against Rey Mysterio or two really good matches against Rey Mysterio or a really good match against Buddy Murphy, I don't know if that's one of the ones he's had. Like, I feel like it's, just, it's what it's been. It's like mediocrity, steals the show, steals the show, mediocrity. It's like they feel like they, feel like they buy themselves like, they feel like they buy themselves time if he, if he can put on the, the show stealer for the, show, for the night. Yeah, and you mentioned Buddy Murphy. He's probably in that same spot now. Uh, he yeah. was in the dark match tonight losing to Ali, but uh, that little push he had I think is already forgotten. All right, so uh, we go back again to backstage. Uh, Shane McMahon uh, coming up on Matt Hardy and Paulo Cruz, who are having their random conversation of whatever they talk about. Uh, and then Chad Gable comes in once again. More short references. Shane says he is going to reveal who Gable's opponent is. Uh, steps off screen, comes back on screen. Shane says that he is Chad Gable's opponent, and that is going to be uh, that's the match. So uh, setting that up is what will ultimately end up being the main event of tonight's SmackDown. And, Nikki and I Cross say, versus I, Mandy I, Rose. I, yeah. I did like that because it did play off of him just throwing himself into the the best in the world. Like he kind of does that slimy heel move where he he doesn't earn his way to the finals, but puts himself in. And you know, I think with a lot of people, it probably caused a lot of uh, people to think that Shane was going to win. So I, I, you know, I liked it. Yeah, and I agree. I think a lot of people did think that Shane's going to win because I mean, you know, he won the. I mean, he, we've seen him win uh, significant right. uh, matches on significant platforms and shows. Um, I think. Do you think Shane has has Shane overtaken uh, the role of, that Baron Corbin had as like the most just aggravating heel, especially to the <laughs> internet fans? 
Uh, I mean, who else is there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, much, that's, that's a pretty much your drag race right there. You had the crowd cheering for Baron last night. You had probably like 30% of that crowd going for Baron, which I, I didn't think we'd see anytime soon. So, yeah, I think Shane has taken that spot. And he is one of those, you know, I know we disagree on whether there's bad heel heat, you know, and good heel heat. But, uh, I mean, Shane is a star. It's He's the biggest star on that show right now, other than, you know, arguably Roman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get Nikki Cross and Mandy Rose next. This is kicked off by a, uh, just a bad promo, <laughs> and I and I like Man- I like Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. So and I'm, I'm I'm fairly sure that they did not come up with this on their own. I'm fairly sure this was uh, written and coached to them. And boy, this was brutal. They had, Mandy cuts the promo on Nikki Cross. Basically, it's the it's the Mean Girls promo of. Uh, we're pretty and you're really ugly. You can't sit with us, <laughs> and, it, but, but it wasn't even, it, was, it wasn't even delivered in entertaining or, or, or comedic fashion. It was just poor. Right. At least when Lake Hool or, or uh, Sable would deliver that promo, <laughs> it, you know, you, you believed it. And even though Mandy Rose, I mean, she's, you know, she looks the part, but her, her promo skills, just aren't there. Sonya Deville, I think um, she, I think she has a ton of star potential. I think they both do, but uh, I thought this just seemed very outdated uh, to your point. You know, the uh, I'm hot, you're ugly stuff is very, you know, it's very 20 years ago, but that was what they had. Yeah, oh, I mean, I, I don't even, whatever. The, so the I'm pretty, you're hot, or I'm, I'm pretty, you're not thing. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, sometimes just the simplest things do just garner the heel heat, but like it, it, just, it was just the actual words they used. It was just the delivery of it was just so, so corny and forced. It didn't even feel just felt like random. I don't know. I just I don't know. I yeah. very very off putted by it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sound like I sound like Glenn at the moment here. Well, look at listen to me. Yeah, a lot of people in the chat. I'll bring this up real quick. Yes, it is Matt Morgan's birthday today. Uh, so yeah, feel free to shoot him a, a happy birthday tweet uh, out there. But yeah, he will be. And for those asking, Matt, if you missed the beginning of the show, Matt and Glenn will be back on Sunday for the post Clash of Champions uh, podcast. I am not shooting Matt a happy birthday tweet. <laughs> uh, so we get a match here. Uh, Nikki Cross. Uh, Nikki Cross gets the win here. So um, Nikki. I mean, Nikki Cross. Uh, arguably outside of the outside of the four horsewomen. Uh, Nikki Cross probably the most one of the more consistently like pushed females. I mean, she's got a pretty good win loss record, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, she, you talk about uh, getting an opportunity and taking full advantage of it. The the thing with Alexa Bliss looked like it was just going to be a short thing where Alexa turns on her and that kind of be it. But uh, you know, she's done great in that role, and you know, here she is. She's been featured for months now. So we see heavy machinery backstage. I'm always entertained by anything they do. They're at the catering table, so that's uh, that's great. Getting the pre-match uh, fuel up. Uh, back, uh, we'll see them in a little bit here. Uh, we come back, we see Amber Moon. She's backstage with Bailey. Uh, uh, I, uh, I'll save the Bailey bitching. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, heavy machinery uh, versus Alex Keaton and Johnny Silver. Cer- certainly, you've uh, you've seen them. Actually, I actually heard that both. I think it was Johnny Silver. I've heard is actually a really got a got a pretty good name and run going up in New York. So uh, is part. that is that that's his actual indie name? I think, or well, I, I've heard, I've seen, I saw people talking about and referring to him as Johnny Silver, and like a lot of praise about what he's doing. So I don't know if they're just referring to him because that's what WWE called him tonight, or if that is his actual name. But uh, several the, several different reputable people that I follow all said like he's he's blowing up in New York. So and the other one you said was Alex Keaton. Alex Keaton. Family ties, family, family ties. ties reference. Yeah, 
Alex no, P. Keaton. Someone's saying it's Alex Reynolds, so I don't know if the recap is. Um, well, we'll see, but uh, okay. it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> erroneous jobbers for the night. It, it, obviously, it's huge for their independent career that they get the spot to wrestle an MSG on live TV, but in this context, they are erroneous jobbers, uh, one and two. Heavy uh, machinery hits all this uh, signature stuff. You know, the, the, you know, we don't. I don't. At least I don't get to talk about heavy, heavy machinery too much. But um, you know, they have creative offense. Granted, it's offense that you got to do. Some of the offenses you got to do to guys who are, you know, of small enough size, and you may not even want to do the offense night in night out to some of the more established tag team opponents they would have if they're in a competitive match. But for these old fashioned 1990 superstar squash matches. Heavy machinery to me is one of the most entertaining acts that WWE is putting out there right now. Yeah, yeah, no, I think uh, they do a great job. Uh, Tucker is actually really good in the ring, and mm-hmm. I think uh, Otis, you know, has just got tons of charisma. There, he's fun to watch. The uh, him pulling the straps down was a little disturbing, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm never bored in their matches, even a squash match. You know, they they take full advantage of their minutes. Yeah, they do. That, that's that, 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 I think Jr. used to always say that phrase, you know, maximize your minutes, and that, they seem like they do that. Yeah. Uh, so Tucker and Otis get a, a, a victory here. Um, so now we see Shane McMahon backstage, uh, and this is where we see him and Kevin Owens. So again, this is a significant scene here. We have not seen McMahon, uh, Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens uh, on the show together for several weeks. We said Shane's been off for jury duty. Uh, Kevin Owens, at least last week, had some decided to... to forego SmackDown because of the, the hurricane weather coming in and not traveling and being away from his family. So this is big, picking back up on this this battle here. And of course, where they left off was Shane had fined Kevin Owens $100,000. Uh, and Shane basically says he's really willing to reconsider and let's just get rid of the fine. Oh, of course, figures there has to be a catch. Shane continues, there's no catch. And as he does it, very smoothly uh, leaves a referee shirt on Owens' uh, shoulder uh, just telling him to do the right thing tonight, and, and you know, I actually thought this was a really well done segment. I thought this was this was not the same old, same old. This was not corny. I actually just just the way Shane did the referee shirt on, on the, and the way he just delivered it. This actually, I thought, uh, was well done for me. I mean, it, it makes sense uh, from Shane's perspective. This whole thing has been making Shane look good. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, as far as booking babyface, obviously Kevin Owens is going to get his at the end, but it, it comes after weeks and weeks and probably months of him being uh, looking weak and God, what's a what's a good PC word in, in today's environment that you can use, but looking like a a, a wuss, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, just looking weak. Uh, Shane's taking advantage of him every week, getting the better of it. He's smarter. He's got you know Kevin Owens whining about a fine and and basically doing what he wants. You know, compare it to before SummerSlam where Owens is cutting these promos on Shane and. And telling him that no one wants to see him, and he's you know stealing TV time, and then beat Shane, and he was getting hot, and already you see him cool down because of how he's been booked. He, he's looking weak, and it continued tonight. So yeah, from a storyline standpoint, with Shane, with him being the evil heel that has Kevin Owens in the palm of his hand, this made total sense. But it still, I thought, made Kevin Owens continue to look weak. Well, I, I, again, I like the scene. I think Kevin Owens started to look. I think there was obviously questionable uh, decisions later on when we get to the match. Uh, so now we get to Eric Rowan and uh, Roman Reigns. Obviously, this has been the, the this has been the longest running, highest profile storyline that's been going on consistently on SmackDown. The long, long winded uh, whodunit uh, of, of attacking Roman Reigns. Uh, it's revealed that Eric Rowan has uh, Eric Rowan. 
then eventually admitted he did, but he says he's not a puppet. He's not. He's not a. He's not a puppet to Dan O'Brien. Uh, so Rowan comes out, um, says all basically a cut, it cuts a promo saying that you know no one gets him, no one understands him. Um, basically, Reigns comes out, interrupts, and then we end up just getting a melee uh, around the, around the arena of them of them fighting and and, and being pulled apart. It, it ends uh, with a spot, you know, a, a different spot. We don't see this one often. Uh, Roman or excuse me, Rowan grabbing the uh, jib camera and. It's it's basically obviously if you did, if those of you that didn't see SmackDown it's it's a camera essentially that's on a long crane that uh, is is controlled by a cart that can that can drive along the arena and, and and get get hovering shots over the crowd and ring. He basically takes that crane and camera and sh- throws it uh, right at uh, Reigns and the security and such that are that are out there. And so that's that's kind of the the, the big finale of this. Uh, Eric Rowan ultimately walking away out of this. So I, I, Raj, this this is. This ang- this this whole thing, it, it, it's it's been it's been. I feel like they're trying to outswerve themselves each week and where it's going. I mean, are, are you still interested at all in this? No, um, not really. I mean, I'm still guessing it's going to be Daniel Bryan. Ultimately, that it comes out is the person behind it. Probably gets revealed at the pay per view. But uh, I will say this: I thought this brawl was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought uh, you know if you would have told me a few weeks ago, Roman Reigns versus Eric Rowan at the pay per view, I'd be like, oh, oh man, but. Uh, they've done the best job I think they can in, in, in making this, at least between these two guys, uh, seem interesting. Uh, Roman got a great reaction from this crowd. Uh, Rowan hung with them. So, uh, yeah, I thought they I thought they did a really good job here. I mean, this is you're right. This is the highest profile single situation that Eric Rowan's ever had. You're in MSG. You're at a pivotal point on SmackDown. I mean, you're yeah, you, you know, you're having a pretty you know convincing looking brawl. You know, so I mean, this this was the this was the the, the biggest the, you know the biggest spot Rowan had been put in thus far. Obviously, this Sunday would be his biggest singles pay per view match. It might be his only singles pay per view match. That's, that's that's one that's a stat to look up. I don't know if he's ever had a singles pay per view match. Um, there was that short period where he was like listening to opera and drinking wine. Uh, you, you know, remember that? I totally forgot it until you just said it. Why did you have to say it? I was, I was happy having a life where I forgot that. Yeah. So, uh, and he, I'm sure he's had one offs here and there when you know there were you know the the Wyatts were feuding with the Usos and stuff like that and the Bludgeon Brothers in singles matches. But as far as yeah, as far as being a singles competitor, this is his highest profile uh, by far. Yeah, um, actually, didn't he, we had something with the Rock at a Mania? That was, was, it, was that oh, yeah. considered a match? I guess that might have been a match. Yeah, so yeah, that was four seconds, six seconds. Yeah, all right. Uh, so yeah, that's coming up this Sunday, and I agree. I, Dan O'Brien obviously still has to eventually be put in this. What I want to know is, like you know, we're talking about all this. This is the first time. Hope this is the the most highest profile stuff for Eric Rowan. Is that going to translate anything? Is that you know, is he going to remain at a higher level on the card than he was going into this, or is he just going to just drop back down as a lackey after this? all wraps up so I, I just don't you know with his uh his promos and stuff i don't see him getting to that next level we'll see no. um, i mean he's got the look he's got the presence but it kind of ends there yeah all right we get bailey versus ember moon charlotte uh, on commentary during this um nothing much not not really too much to this to review uh, a bailey victory all right so bailey i mean this is week two is her being technically a heel and I just say technically just because she turned her back on a babyface character a week ago. There, you know, like last week, you know, we, we, you know, Glenn and I kind of picked this apart and we're really against like Bailey with the same music, Bailey with the same entrance, ring gear, everything. 
you know, Matt jumped in and said, you know, well, it's logical. She's not supposed to just all of a sudden turn everything, you know, within 24 hours, new music, new look or whatever, you know, it's supposed to gradually happen. So I gave Matt, since he's the, he's the veteran and, and uh, of, of, of us all, I gave him the benefit of the doubt, but this, this week, just again, it, it, there's not, there's nothing, she's doing nothing different. She, she is doing nothing different. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you, you know, for her to turn her, you know, to attack Becky like that, that that means it must have been lingering for a little bit. Like it's not uh, like she's all of a sudden turning her back on the fans. And they could have went with that. Like the next time she comes out, she doesn't. She comes out with different clothes because she's been wanting to do this for a while and w- waited for her opportunity. Um, it, this is becoming such a quick afterthought. You know, when Bailey attacked Becky, I mean, the crowd started going wild for it. I mean, they, yeah. they were going nuts, and we're. A week later, and it's already kind of squandered. Um, Bailey's basically just herself. Uh, with the, with the four horsemen, and that in that feud, it's kind of like they're all tweeners, ex- except for Becky, I guess. But you know, I, I know in AEW they kind of do that, where they don't really have heels and baby faces except for Jericho and MJF. But in WWE, where every other match they do have that, and not to do it, I don't know. It, it's I, just it's just falling flat. I, 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 on the one hand, I respect and understand that in 2019, uh, especially if you look across entertainment and, and television, I, I understand that shades of gray characters are like, that's where it's at. Not everybody is defined as just a good or just a bad guy. Like, I, I totally get that. And most of the shows that I like fuel off of that premise. But I don't know why. You said it earlier about uh, the, the whole, you know, you and I have a difference in heat, and I don't really buy into the whole, uh, the uh, X-Pac heat or the go-away heat. I think heat is heat and whatever. Right behind that is my despise for the term of tweener, for the for the thought of a tweener. You're, I, I just I, Something about pro wrestling, there's a fence, and you're either on the heel side of the fence that'll come out and do the heel things and be on the heel side of the ring for lumberjack matches, or you're on the babyface side of the fence. Very few are allowed and can even straddle the fence. I, so the, the, so, But you're right. They all are acting like tweeners except for Becky, and I just am bothered by it yeah i think becky i mean bailey is it's gotten it's just completely flat it's it's uh it's taken all the effectiveness out of that heel turn and you know whatever you call that for her to attack her with a chair it should have been more and it's it's quickly becoming nothing uh and to your point you know the tweener thing how many main event guys have actually been uh a tweener, not re- not on the babyface side, not on the heel side. Austin was a babyface. Correct. He, he acted like Correct. a, you know, we can say that's what a heel would act like, but he was a babyface. The only one I can think of is Brock Lesnar uh, uh, in the current generation. Yeah, and, and you know, and, I, and, I, and Brock Lesnar is his own singular phenomenon, and that goes to being able to straddle the fence. That goes to the way his matches are put together. That goes to the money and the type of contract he has. I mean, he truly is. One of a kind gets is hyperbole that gets thrown around. He truly is one of a kind uh, in all the aspects. Um, but, but even with Austin, you mentioned Austin. Like, yeah, Austin had the anti-hero rebellion thing. Like, and, and he 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 used language that a heel would use, and, and et cetera, like that. He he certainly changed the, the 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 times. But even that, Stone Cold Steve Austin still had key, critical, pivotal, uh, highlight real stuff moments where he did the babyface thing. Where he did he did what the good guy would do, like you know, like like you know, you know, saving Stephanie McMahon from getting uh, for being a, a bride to the to the Undertaker. You know, like he right. still did the heroic thing when 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 you when you needed it, you know, the courage needed to step up. So right. he's a babyface. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what? When when 
you know, I hear Cody Rhodes saying that uh, people don't care about baby faces and heels these days. And I'm like, man, every uh, the biggest movie uh, this year was the Avengers. And that's, yeah. you know, like heels versus baby faces yeah. and all, all action movies. That's still the formula. Uh, Game of Thrones. You, you, yeah. Ultimately, you still got your good guys and your bad guys. So all the biggest successful, you know, action genre uh, shows usually have heels versus babyface and yeah granted maybe the baby faces aren't kissing babies and, and, and doing all that but it's still baby faces versus heels right i mean not you know not 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 every story not every not not everything can be a tarantino film where everybody just kills everybody and, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and roll credits right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we'll see how that philosophy works out for cody then we'll see and i, I, don't, I don't mean that sarcastic i, I, look, I, I genuinely mean it as i want to see how it works as far as the characters i feel like that are the most over right now it's jericho who's clearly a heel mm-hmm. and he he is playing that to the tilt and he's fantastic at it and mjf mjf i feel of the younger guys that are from the indie scene that are really uh, kind of making a buzz in aew i think he's got the most yeah all right, so uh, we go down the uh, the home stretch here, the final half hour of SmackDown. Uh, we get uh, Kofi Kingston in the ring. Uh, this is big. Kofi Kingston and, and Randy Orton uh, building to their match, building to their rematch, rather, a clash this Sunday. And this has been well done. It's got a great story of you know, 10 years of history. And the biggest night that they had in their first run 10 years ago uh, was at MSG, the biggest highlight real spot. Uh, which they would ultimately recreate. But just before we get to that, Kofi's in the ring, um, you know, cutting the Kofi promo. Orton quickly interrupts him. Stupid, stupid, stupid. He's <clears throat> off in the crowd just to the side of the stage. Um, takes shots at Kofi, you know, but the fake Jamaican accent. And, and even, they even you know, WWE even gets a rare, uh, let's, let's, let's Orton drop a, a bullshit comment talking about that phony power of positivity. Um, so really, you know, really, Bringing a heavy hitter in terms of a promo and and and, and what they're allowing him to do, goats Kofi to come to him. Uh, us us and Kofi not realizing Orton had a chair by his side the whole time starts to starts to beat up Kofi with that um, attacking him. Eventually Kofi gets the upper hand and Kofi now starts to reposition and and, and is attacking Orton and is going to reposition that famous that famous spot, Raj, that famous spot where that boom drop that boom drop coming off of the coming off of the uh, uh, out of the stands onto onto Orton on a table. Interestingly enough, Raj, I get your opinion on this. It looked like as it looked like as they were positioning the table and they were jostling back and forth, the table actually breaks. Um, so the ta- the table breaks presumably before it was supposed to, as they're as as weights being distributed and they're moving around. Uh, but if that was the case, uh, Kofi just you know kept going, finds another table, uh, eventually goes up, hits a boom drop, and, and does it. So you know at the end of the day, they got what they needed here. Um, to me, I, I thought. I thought this was this was actually a really, you know, we, we criticize WWE a lot of times for maybe missing an obvious spot here or missing the easiest thing. But I thought this was really nice the fact that like they basically had it in their hand to have a rematch fight in the crowd ten years later. Yeah, no, and I thought it, I thought it was well done. I thought the brawl was well done. Uh, Randy Orton saying "stupid, stupid" kind of gets a little. Uh, it sounds a little unnatural. Not with- for me. No, that's great. <laughs> I, I think doing it once, you get your point across. Doing it every time, uh, but whatever, it's it's nitpicking. Uh, I thought this, uh, I thought this was all good. Um, 
I, I'm not for some. There's just some something mix, missing in this dynamic. I think it's the match at SummerSlam was so underwhelming that I'm not really caring about it right now. But uh, a lot of the stuff that they've done has been good, and I thought this uh, this angle was really good. Their match the Sunday. There's no stipulation to it, right? There's, it's not like a there's no stip, there's no gimmick to it, right? Not yet, no. And that's kind of unusual that they would do. You know, it, it's as personal of an angle as it's become, and it's a rematch, and that it's still just another one-on-one contest. Right, yeah. When you had a disputed finish, at least do a no-DQ or something. I guess they added no-DQ to Roman versus Rowan. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that is weird that they would have a non-finish and then go to a match with no steps. And, and in just three weeks' time after this Sunday is Hell in a Cell, so that kind of, to me, would have to... And that's, uh, it, that would be a really quick turnaround to find some other opponent that's 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 deemed worthy to be in hell in a cell with Kofi. So I have to think this is going to continue on to hell in a cell between these two, right? I would think so. I mean, to, yeah, to come up with a new opponent. I mean, they did it with, they did it with Ziggler and Kofi. I mean, I guess they could, but, and that'll be after Fox. So uh, my guess is that's going to continue with the current storylines with hell in a cell. And then they, you know, they do all the post draft stuff after that, which is what they usually do. They have the draft, Kind yeah. of keep the rosters in check on TV until that pay per view, and then uh, go the separate ways. Well, and, and I, I talk about this with Nick when the Winkley it comes up, you know, probably once every so many weeks. I still think that we're destined for uh, not long after SmackDown goes to Fox, Brock Lesnar is your champion. I just think that's just you know, you you want the star power, you want uh, you want people that people are familiar with. You know, that's why I can almost see the Miz beating Nakamura because he's got some name value, you know, some uh, some name identity. Uh, he's, you know, he's a star, you know, as far as wrestlers, uh, wait, did you say, wait, did you say the Miz is a star? Kind of. (laughs) (laughs) I caught you. (laughs) I caught you. But no, but you know, of the, the wrestlers today that are kind of the most recognizable to fans, it's like, um, and and I I guess the Bellas don't count, but because they're retired, but the Bellas are up there and the Miz is up there. Yeah. No, the, the Bellas count because I'm on the Bellas count. Even the Rock counts. Anybody who had anybody who people widely know, WWE is why they're famous, and then they've gotten a reality show, right. gotten paid twenty million dollars to do movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the Bells count, even if they're not actively in the ring anymore. They still count. Yeah, I mean they were John Cena. Well John Cena. John Cena counts still, obviously. Oh, for sure. And yeah. Cena. I mean, Cena's going beyond that. You know, beyond the the famous wrestler to becoming his own you know mainstream celebrity uh, if he's not already there yeah. um but yeah the miz is kind of there I, I he needs to be a heel he's i, I just think he's yes. very ineffective as a baby face he does you know i had no problem i know it states back to our, our debate I, I had no problem with him being the baby face in the the daniel bryan feud because bryan was doing such a good job as a heel but you're right at this point now it's kind of the, the act is worse and i don't i don't want to look at him as Mike the Miz, who's a great dad and husband, who's doing his reality show. I want him to be that condescending. I am so much better than all of you. My wife is hotter. My house is bigger, et cetera. And I think the thing with the Miz is you just get that feeling from him, even when he's cutting a babyface promo that he thinks, yeah. he, you, know, you know. So because, well, go and, with it. And, be, and because I, I don't know if you ever have, Ross, you probably have. Uh, you know, I've said before. I, I think out of everybody in the current, maybe every, anybody ever ever in WWE, I have interviewed the Miz more times than anybody else. Because he because he he does so much media. I've done it on the you know phone in, in person, and he is just naturally Mike Mazan, and it's just a myth that he is just so comfortable. That's just him. He mm-hmm. you know he he loves playing that role. That just that little starky heel, and he loves wrestling. He loves doing it. It's just it's so natural. So you're right. Even even as a babyface, he just he doesn't have a different babyface voice. He is the Miz. Yeah, absolutely. So. 
All right. Uh, all right. So we go into the main event. It is uh, the King of the Ring. Uh, this mismatch is going to determine who goes to the finals against Baron Corbin. It's Chad Gable versus Shane McMahon. And uh, right, and, and Kevin Owens is the referee. And right off the bat, it looked like a Brock Lesnar match. Right off the bat, quick into it, um, Gable hits uh, the German suplex and, and one, two, three, pins Shane. So Chad Gable wins right there. It looks like he's got it. Uh, Shane grabs the mic, says, "No, this is going to be a two out of three falls match." Uh, and of course, that uh, uh, you know erupts the heat and, and the and the asshole chance. Uh, so now we you know get into a longer form of the match, take a break, come back, still going at it. Uh, Kevin Owens is at this point now doing what Shane wants. He's he's fast counting for Shane. He's slow counting for Gable. Uh, but finally, all that fast and slow counting doesn't matter when ultimately Gable ends up getting Shane. Uh, in uh, in the, with the ankle lock submission, uh, and Shane taps, and so there's nothing that Kevin Owens can do. Shane taps. Chad Gable is your winner. He wins both falls. Real quick before we go to the post match shenanigans, this is, I'm glad that you know you're you're giving this little push to Chad Gable. Maybe he wins King of the Ring. We'll get to that in a second as well. But I'm really glad that you know two out of three falls. I'm glad that he, I'm glad that Shane McMahon did not get any falls on Chad Gable. Um. Normally, I'd I'd say I'd say I agree with you, except that he's involved in pretty much the top feud on SmackDown. I think it would be like okay, I'm gonna bring this up. I know people are gonna start tweeting and, and being like, uh, "This isn't Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon." I know Kevin Owens is not Steve Austin, Shane McMahon is not Vince McMahon, but the last time a boss versus employee feud was done great, that was it. So this is just. Bringing up a comparison, I'm not saying that Austin is Owens or, I mean, Owens is Austin or, or anything, but it would have been like, talking, yeah, so Steve is in the middle of his feud with Vince and on Raw, Taka Michinoku beats Vince McMahon two straight falls. And then afterwards, Vince McMahon just kicks, who's, who had just wrestled two falls, then just kicks the crap out of Steve Austin and fires him. Uh, think about how ridiculous that sounds, but that's what they did here. I mean, Owens is constantly, you know, like I said, just constantly made to look weak. I know one of these weeks he's going to get his revenge and, and it's going to happen. But by that time, the damage is already, if it's not already done, it's getting there. I love that that's the person you used this morning when I checked Facebook for the first time today. Taka Michinoku came up in the people you may know. So it's tremendous that I haven't heard his name said in years, <laughs> and I see him on Facebook, and you just decided to pluck him out of a 20 years past <laughs> hypothetical. The universe works in strange ways. Well, I, I was just saying, Taka, just someone who's a great worker, but is never used on, who up until that, you know, was never used during that feud in a, in a high role outside of some stuff with Kai and Tai. But anyway. Um, choppy, choppy. Uh, all right, so Chad Gable gets the win. He sells off in the sunset. He's getting ready for his match on Monday. Monday, not Sunday, Raj. King of the Ring Finals. Gordon. Yeah, King of the Ring Finals are now on Monday. I think they looked and they're like, holy shit, we got a lot of matches on Sunday. We need yeah. to, to cut some of these out. So, yeah, they've been doing that a lot lately where they'll have matches that are scheduled for the pay-per-view. Like last, like with SummerSlam with Aleister Black and oh, Sami yeah. Zayn. And there was another one that they ended up just doing on like Raw before. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they're doing that again here. So Gable with the win. Uh, Shane then uh, attacks Kevin Owens and just says you're fired and just is beating the hell out of Kevin Owens with the microphone and punches as we go uh, as we go off the air. I mean, so again, the you're fired. Yeah, I'm sure you are. I, I'm not big on that. 
Fun fact, though, and I got to give credit to uh, uh, Sean Ross Sapp, who Sean is very good about statistical gathering. And he tweeted this, and I haven't been able to like I haven't been able to research it myself, but he's pretty good, and I can't think of a case. He said this is the first match that Shane has ever had in Madison Square Garden. Uh, and and Sean's really good at these things. And, yeah, I and, and, that. I, and I went through it. And I was like, yeah, you know, I can't think of a garden match that Shane probably because you know because back in the day, Shane like, which I think is amazing because Shane has been you know he's always been available to wrestle for twenty years for them, which is crazy. Yeah, I, I can see that. So uh, that makes so, sense. Fun fact for any of you that went to the show, you got to see I mean, McMahon. You know, even back in the day when WWE would go to the Garden, they didn't go that often. Um, so it was pretty rare, so, you know, as for for TV. So well, I mean, and even still, Shane always only just wrestled on pay per views, and and, yeah. and that's that's why I said I, I could think about most of the pay per views. Well, he would do tag matches here and there, but yeah, he didn't yeah. wrestle that often. Yeah, but but I can think about you know, I can think of all the high profile Garden pay per views, and I'm like, yeah, he never he wasn't wrestling yeah. in any of them. He might have been involved in a storyline, but he wasn't wrestling. Yeah. So fun fact of uh, takeaway from SmackDown. So there you go. So that was uh, SmackDown. Um, you know, it, I mediocre. I, I won't. I won't say a crap bed there, but it really, not. I think you said it earlier. You, the, the, if you didn't watch, if you're just listening to us, thank you. Uh, you didn't miss too much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some Kofi, Randy Orton. The the brawl was fun, and you know, uh, Roman versus Rowan was better than you'd expect. I think. I, I mean, the 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 brawl that they had. But yeah, I mean, other than that, it was pretty forget. And Kevin Owens getting fired and looking like a a wuss, but uh, outside of that, it was it was there. All right, so we'll wait and see what the viewership is for this SmackDown um, and how it draws. What we know, draw Drew, excuse me, uh, not well, all things considered, was Monday Night Raw. The numbers are out. And mind, this is Raw on Monday in, MS- in, in, in MSG with with Stone Cold Steve Austin as advertised to be moderating this this contract signing. And it did not do well. So uh, for this past week's Raw, the first hour drew 2.36 million viewers. Um, this is just slightly down from the week prior's week one. So right out the so just think about that. Right off the right off the bat, like right off the bat, Stone. I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin did not move the needle the way they thought. He's in the opening segment, and even then, uh, didn't draw. Now, obviously, the the big story here is that they were going up against the return of the NFL on Monday Night Football, and it was a very exciting first Monday, first night, first game uh, of the night. For the NFL, uh, so but uh, you know, Austin did not draw. I think the way they would hope, two point three six million in the first hour, second hour two point one eight, uh, and in the final hour one point eight four. Um, the twenty two percent drop between hour one and hour three is the biggest hour one to hour three drop uh, in this Paul Heyman era since he took over early in the summer. So just I mean, across the board, nothing really did nothing. Nothing that WWE can try to PR spin as positive. And I actually think, you know, I actually think Austin did draw because that you saw how much better that first hour did. He was in that first segment compared to the third. I mean, people just turned away. It was the. So I guess I guess I guess I guess not as many people even off the gate, I thought. Right. It it wasn't like Raw Reunion or whatever, where uh, you got a bump in the ratings. Uh, Actually, they they were down uh, each hour. Uh, As you mentioned, uh, they're down 15 percent from last week. They were up against two NFL games back to back. 
the New Orleans against uh, gosh, who was it? The Texans. Texans. Yeah. That went to the last minute. Uh, yeah. New Orleans winning the last, the last second, play. Yeah. Essentially. I mean, it was it was a super exciting game. And then yeah. right after that, you had the Raiders and the Broncos. Not as exciting, but you know it, that that went on till pretty late. So how, how was that? How was that final rush? <sighs> <laughs> what are you going to do? It's going to be a long season. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's the second lowest rating ever. I know some people are going to say, well, you had the, the competition. They have this competition every, competition every year. Um, and, you know, they're up against Monday Night Football every year. This is nothing new. Yeah. So the second lowest uh, audience ever for a non-holiday show in its history. Yeah, um, I think June, I think June, if I'm looking at this, June 10th was the was the lowest earlier this summer. It was yeah, 2.125. Yeah, so it was almost identical. It was basically 2.13. This was 2.13. Uh, so it's, it, you know, it'll, it could be a long season. I mean, they, they're from MSG. They had Austin uh, up against the opener, but last year was up in, you know, last year when they were up against the opener, uh, this episode was down 22.3% from uh, last year's show against the opener. So, um, yeah, yeah, uh, it, it it could be a long season. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what they do. But you know, the fact that they tried to load the show up and it 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 would have been a lot worse, I think, if Austin wasn't on. I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they were under two million overall. Yeah. Well, it's certainly uh, lowering the bar for the possibility that that NXT could come in on Wednesday night and 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 top either or both Raw and SmackDown. So <laughs> I don't know about that, but mm. I, I I don't think it. I can't see NXT getting anywhere close to 2 million viewers a week. Um, really? I don't see it. I, I would think on the high end, 1.1, 1.2, depending on what they put on. But, you know, we're already at so many hours of WWE television a week to, to get people to tune in to a show that most people don't follow. Uh, I got their work cut out for them. I'm sure I, I mean, they're going to try everything once October comes. I know, I, I know I was they go next say, week. I, but. I, could, I, could, I, mean, I, really, I mean, I expect them to I expect some big name Raw or Smackdown guys to maybe and maybe through the shuffling of the draft in October make some 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 residency on NXT I I think I I, I don't remember where I said this um, you know but when they when we, when we started realizing okay we're gonna have NXT and AEW head-to-head you know one thing we've never seen in NXT that they that one one bullet they've never fired they have to save for the right opponent it's Triple H wrestling. It's Triple H wrestling on a takeover. Yeah, you know some some anti-establishment heel calling out Paul, you know, with the headset on and an heir to the throne and, and Paul Levesque becoming Triple H and, and for a takeover. You know, and, and I think I think it's going to take mainstream acts like that. You don't want to pollute NXT. You still have to let NXT be the life that it is. But I think it's going to take a little bit of some one-off of some big names. You know, I mean, hell, here's a crazy thought. Velveteen Dream versus John Cena at a takeover. I, I think if you really think of that, if you open your, if, if open minded, I mean that could seriously help NXT. If if you know, if like you, if you think it's only going to be like a million, and you want to try to get closer to two or three million, those kind of thing, those kind of names can give credibility to it quickly. Right. The only thing, like John Cena, now he's with these movie contracts. Yeah, it's like The Rock yeah. with the movie insurance. He can't take bumps. Right. Um, so it's, it's how many uh, rabbits do you have left? You know, to, this week we saw they, they bring back Austin and Undertaker. You can only do that so many times. And yeah, you can have Roman Reigns appear on NXT and Seth Rollins, uh, but you see them once or twice a week on television anyway. Um, sure. But yeah, I agree. I think Triple H would be a big one. But again, you, you, there's. Only one time, one or two times you can do that. So um, we'll see. 
We will see. What we'll also see is what the hell is Bray Wyatt talking about? Uh, the Firefly Funhouse continues. I, I know Roger mentioned you guys talked about this a little bit last night. I'm bringing it up just because it continues to be a, it seems like a top story on the site. Obviously, a lot of speculation about the, uh, what was the clock that said 316 for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Bray smashes the clock and now it says 1119. Popular theory has been that 1119, November 19th of the year 1990, is actually the exact day that The Undertaker made his debut in. WWF before making his TV debut in Survivor Series a few few days later. So, you know, eleven nineteen. Maybe it's just another riddle and rhyme. Maybe it's just left for interpretation with no conclusion ever given. But it's wrestling fans. We love the mystery. We love the, the little clues. So, that's yeah. up there. I mean, it, the tease was out there that he was going to do something with Austin and and then Taker. Uh, you know, he's done. He had attacked Legends before, like Foley and and uh, and Lawler. Um, I just think it was a way to get some buzz online and be cutesy for the fans that are watching, but really have no, you know, intent on going through with it. Um, yeah, and I think that's all it is because I don't see Bray Wyatt wrestling Undertaker anytime soon. He's supposed to be wrestling at Hell in the Cell for the title, and they've already teased that on television. They're advertising mm-hmm. it. Um, what, a, so, what about what about a WrestleMania? The Fiend versus Undertaker. I'm. That's probably I know, where, I know, where, I know where or Survivor Series, yeah. yeah, or you could do Survivor Series, uh, yeah, WrestleMania, um, but you know they wouldn't start. I mean, you could tease it now, but yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't mean, see Austin though. Austin just seemed like that was just thrown in there. Right. Well, I mean, it, you know, it, but it was a, it's a reasonable guess. You know, the night before the Undertaker is supposed to make this appearance at MSG, that there's this this tease and, 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 and Bray Wyatt or the fiend has been uh, making a habit of attacking legends. You know, it certainly seemed like it held some, some, some water to the argument. So I, uh, uh, you know, same for Austin and why it had even tweeted hinting that it would go in that direction. And, you know, clearly, clear, clearly it didn't. Right. All right. So, uh, Raj, what's, what's the story with access TV? What's going on here? All right, so yeah, Anthem, uh, the, impact, the parent company of Impact, they acquired a majority interest in Access TV and HDNet movies. Uh, as everyone knows, in New Japan and, and WOW, uh, women of wrestling both air on Access. So uh, already some big moves. Uh, Cindy Ronzani, who handled publicity for Access TV, is already gone. She was laid off. And this all happened this week. Uh, Adam Swift, who was the VP of Business and Legal Affairs at Access, uh, who was a big reason why wrestling got on Access in the first place on with ROH on HDNet. Uh, he's gone after 11 years with the company. Uh, you know, they were owned by Mark Cuban, based in Dallas. They already closed the Dallas office today. Okay. So a lot of changes. Um, you know what this means for New Japan on on Access and and WOW. You know, women of wrestling on Access remains to be seen. I, if our impact, I'm sure they would want New Japan to stay on Access and do like a double header where they they air right after or right before to kind of get some of those viewers watching their product um, because they got a lot of rebuilding to do. They've gone. They went from hundreds of thousands of viewers. Well, they went from over a million viewers that they were averaging on Spike. Uh, there were a few times they did two million, uh, you know, down to a million by the time they left, and then by the time they were on Destination America, it was four to five hundred thousand between the two airings. Then it went down to like three hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. Now they're you know in the you know five to ten thousand range. So they got a lot of rebuilding to do. So I can see them wanting to keep that New Japan, New Japan. I can see wanting to have that visibility. TV deals are not easy to get. 
uh, impact, you know, we've seen with impact ROH has made no strides. So yeah, it's, uh, it, it's really interesting what will happen there. Do you realize how hard it would be to be an impact historian to keep track oh. of all of the, I mean, like if you, if to try to actually be a historian to like be able to like, draw point A to point B to C to D to who won the title here, what happened. I mean, it's, it's amazing when it, just you running through that kind of like, cause, I, cause I'll be honest, I'm not as, uh, especially not as much as you, I, I'm not as involved or uh, paying attention to, to impact and all their, you know, destination America pop TV. And when you just refresh my memory with all that, I'm like, man, what a, what a ride it's been. I mean, I guess in one way it's good that they've still, there's still a company in some <laughs> shape or form, but it's just wild to me. Yeah, they managed to stick around after all that at one yeah. point. Think of man, the roster they used to have Sting and Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Rob Van Dam, you know, all these and Rob Van Dam is, is back there, but um just to just to see where the, the Matt Morgan. Uh, Matt Morgan, the, the <laughs> blueprint. Yeah. I mean it's uh the wild ups and, and the crazy downs and it feels like it's been on a down forever, you know. And uh so this is their this is some good news for them. They're gonna they're gonna be back on Access TV. Um, I'm guessing that's gonna be sooner than later. I think they can leave Pursuit almost at any time. Um, so, so yeah, this is only good news for them. What happens with New Japan? Uh, we'll have to see. By the way, you said Kevin Nash. I'm using it as a segue for a cheap plug. Uh, this Friday, we get to Wheeling Island Casino in Wheeling, West Virginia. IWC Wrestling, who I work with, we have a great show at Wheeling Island Casino, and Kevin Nash will be doing a meet and greet at five o'clock. I believe it's 20 bucks for the meet and greets. That's like a great price to go and get a picture and an autograph from Kevin. Uh, and then we have the show afterwards. Great talent on the show. Somebody of note that you might want to see, Wardlow, who of course was announced. He's coming to AEW. Wardlow, uh, homegrown here at IWC Wrestling. So what might be one of the final matches you could see Wardlow uh, in a non-AEW ring? Yeah, Wardlow Come- was at All Out. He was in that promo where he, he, he beat up a bunch of people. You know, He was with the woman and beat up a bunch of people. Look. Impressive, He's a big dude. I, 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 I mean, I, I managed this guy for his first 150 matches, man. And this, this, uh, this, he's a real deal. He's a fast learner. He's a freak athlete. He's a good person. Uh, so if you get a chance to come out and see him for the price, you can see him at Wheeling Island Casino, and, and maybe even get the chance to meet him. Uh, it'd be worthwhile. So if you can get to Wheeling, West Virginia, this Friday, iwcwrestling.com. Kevin Nash, Wardlow, more. Uh, Raj, anything else that we have missed? Uh, did, did we mention that Elias is, oh, inj- yes. he's got an ankle injury, um, but it looks like it's not that serious. So, uh, it sounds like he'll be back sooner rather than later. Drew McIntyre also out right now due to a, a minor injury is expected back uh, next month. Um, so it's expected that Elias will continue walking with Elias. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Good, good um, news. Yeah, exactly. Good news. And, uh, I think that's about it uh i think we yeah we covered quite a bit there sounds good uh well we got uh you know this this is wrapping up smackdown we got the winkley tomorrow myself and nick hausman the winkley thursday myself and nick hausman um as raj mentioned we will have a post clash of the champions coverage right here live on youtube Uh, and of course all the audio is always available on on any of the platforms on the wrestling channel i believe i will be on it knock my microphone here i believe i will be on it with uh glenn and matt sunday night so That'll be a lot of fun, uh, just so much. And then, uh, Raj, we're getting close. We're getting ready to to, 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 to to shake it all up with NXT moving to Wednesdays and AEW just just a few weeks behind. And 
that's causing madness to you in the scheduling. What is happening? <laughs> it is. Yeah. So uh, we will be doing podcasts now. We're expanding. So uh, in addition to the weekly Tuesday through Thursday, and, you know, we had been doing it Monday and Tuesdays, you know, following Raw, following SmackDown. Now we're going to move to Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, you'll be joining us on Wednesdays. We're going to try We're going to try on Wednesdays. With one of us covering NXT, one of us AEW, um, Matt's going to try to watch both, uh, one on his tablet, one on the TV, and, and <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. We need to add more people, we'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, the madness starts next week, and I'm kind of surprised that, um, you know, granted, you don't want to, you don't want to come too hard, you know, oh my gosh, <laughs> you don't want to push too hard uh, the week before, you want to, you know, do the, the week of, but NXT was kind of, it's been an afterthought. They haven't really pushed it hard as far as I would have thought they would have done some personality profiles or, you know, had some NXT stars, you know, make cameos just to kind of get the audience more familiar as opposed to throwing it all the last week and be like, you got to watch this guy this, you know, this Wednesday. Or maybe it's a, it's like a uh, soft launch, like a restaurant will often do where you just kind of get it out there, kind of see what numbers you're going to do. No, it's not in the gutter. Let's, let's see how the NXT appetizers do. <laughs> well, no, just to kind of see what, know, what kind of numbers they get without too much pushing and then do the hard push <laughs> a couple weeks after. <laughs> you assume I was, I was laughing at the restaurant person. You assume that I was going to make a Bluetooth reference of soft launch. Yeah. Maybe my mind's in the gutter. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not Glenn. I'm not hawking the Bluetooth here. Um, yeah. So a lot of, a lot of excitement, but you are right. That it, it, other than it's pretty much just been USA network just running the NXT promos. It's uh, right. kind of been the extent of it. So All right, we'll see. And, and yeah, and with AEW, the fourth week of AEW TV is here in Pittsburgh. I will be there. Uh, I believe I'm gonna have credentials uh, for Wrestling Inc. So Raj, hopefully I can get us like some interviews or something good for the, the site to have exclusive. Uh, so a lot of stuff. This is gonna be a fun, a fun and busy fall season that's that's coming. Yeah. All right, Raj. Any 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 plugs? Uh, I think that's it. It's been a it's been a busy week. Good stuff. All right. Well, uh, if if you're not already subscribed to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the Wrestling Inc. Audio channel on whatever platform you pre- you prefer. Leave us a nice comment. Join Nick and I tomorrow afternoon for the Winkly as we will talk about all that's going on in the news tomorrow. And again, uh, we got plenty of podcasts coming up, so uh, don't sleep on it. Friday, hope to see you in Wheeling, West Virginia. Kevin Ash, Wardlow, myself. It's going to be a good time. We'll see you then. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.